We are so glad that you joined us today. God wants to do so much in you and through you, and we would love to hear about it. Would you send us an email at shannon at hectorfirst.com to tell us your story? You can also go online and give to this ministry by going to hectorfirst.com and clicking the Give tab. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you enjoy the message. so grateful that you came back, and I know that the Lord is going to speak to our hearts. Um, after this morning, and, and then after tonight, to be frank, uh, I believe that God is going to continue to say some things, and so what I want to do is I just want to give you something that you can hold on to as a next step. Let's say the Lord has been speaking to you, and, and He may tonight, He may have years ago, or He may tomorrow, if the Lord has been speaking to you about your life and your service as either an advocate for missions or a missionary yourself, uh, you can go to a website that we've created called IWantToBeAMissionary.com. Very simple. You can go there. You can fill out the information. We'll connect you. We'll build relationships with you. And we want to walk on this journey with you. But I want to share something with you tonight that uh, to me is is very, very fresh. And I'm just going to be honest. It's a very fresh. And uh, I told Pastor Shannon to uh, set his expectations low for tonight um, since it is very new. But I feel like the Lord has given me something to say, and I want to be able to do that tonight with you. If you have your Bible, would you turn with me to the book of Ezekiel, chapter number 37. The book of Ezekiel, chapter number 37, and starting in verse number 1. And uh, when you get it, you can go ahead and stand with me to your feet. Ezekiel, chapter number 37, verse number 1. This is what it says. It says, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. And behold, there were, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live, and I will lay sinews upon you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath into you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. I want to draw your attention back very quickly to the very middle of the, the scripture that we've just read, when he said, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. I think that one version says only only you know. I call this message because I said so. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for the opportunity to be here in church. Uh, I thank you for what you're doing, and I thank you for the great things that you're getting ready to continue to do. And I pray that your anointing and your presence would uh, speak a life into us. We give you all the praise tonight in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You can have a seat. Now, for all the moms and dads in the room, I hope that you can relate to this. I hope that you can relate to what it is like to be a parent. And I feel like some of my best stories and some of my best illustrations come from being a dad, come from being a parent of three uh, amazing children that are all crazy in their own way. I just need to get that out of the way. I feel like every kid's got a crazy part of them that you're like, no, my kid's crazy. And then everybody's like, well, no, my kid is crazy. That's just a part of being a parent. But from a parent's perspective, we don't always have the answer to our kids' questions. I don't know about you, but I don't always have the answer to my kids' questions. We are living in a time and an age, in fact, the generation that is growing up right now is the first generation that did not have to rely on the wisdom of their mother and their father to answer the questions. 
Statistically, that's true. Statistically, every generation prior to this generation went to their mother and father or another wise parent or a person in their life, and that person had the wisdom for the answer, for the answer to the question that a child or a young adult or a person was posing. But today, that answer is often found on social media. It's found by researching it on Google. I noticed that the plaque in the back of the, of the church said that sometimes Google isn't the only thing that has the answer for you. But today, it is very easy to Google a subject, to Google even the most random of question and find an answer. I don't always have the answer to my kids' questions, especially when it's in response to an order that I give. Take out the trash. Why? Time to go to bed. Why? Do the dishes. Why? I don't have to always articulate all the answers to my children's questions that want to defy my authority, but sometimes all I can say in that moment is because I said so. Maybe you've been to this point before. Parents, you know that you're frustrated when your parents said it to you, but we say it, we repeat the same things to our children because I said so. Because I said so has no explanation. Because I said so is filled with ambiguity. And because I said so has to rely on implied trust and belief. In other words, moms and dads hope that when we say because I said so, in spite of the ambiguity and the lack of clarity that there is within an understanding that parents will be trusted to make the best decisions for their children and their children give the parents the authority to do so. Just being able to say that word, that phrase, because I said so, is very scriptural. Let's go back to the scripture. The hand of the Lord was upon me. See, what you and I are seeing in this moment is a very dark and a very powerful moment. The prophet Ezekiel is taken to a valley. I use my imagination when I read the scripture and I can see mountains that have been covered in loose rock standing like piers around this valley. There's probably no more than two entrances to the valley, one on the east and one on the west. These bones, when they had life, entered the valley to meet somewhere in the middle. And I wonder to myself, what brought them to this moment? What brought these once living human beings to this place? I've come to believe that this valley was a place that brought warriors out to war. That was a place that these warriors, these soldiers had come to fight somewhere in the middle. Now, I need you to understand with me tonight that I've had this verse on my heart for a long time, and I've been trying to articulate what I believe that the Lord has put into my heart about this historical context. And as I've read and reread this passage, I've come to the conclusion that there are principles of mission and of mission that are buried within the layers of this story that I believe that God wants to allow us and help us to be able to see tonight. And what I'd like to do is peel back the layers in this passage and show you what I believe to be an important truth about a, a story that we've read over and over the valley of dry bones. This is what I believe. I believe that every purpose has power, but every purpose only has power if it's put into practice. What do I mean? I mean that you and I were made on purpose and for a purpose. There was no randomness to our lives. Some of you are probably pretty random, but random events and random moments do not equate to order at the end of the day, at the end of our life. The word order implies that you and I have a place. And oftentimes the place and the order that God has put us and made us for has to be something that we either realize in the moment or come to understand as we move forward in life. It's a place where we do what God has called us to do. A place where we live the way God has shown us and a way that we live that is purposeful. 
Here's the catch. My place in the order and your place within the order do not always have to line up with each other. In other words, my place might not be your place. Your gifting doesn't have to be my gifting. Your joy doesn't have to be my joy. Don't get mad if I don't laugh at your jokes because sometimes those jokes ain't funny and sometimes people don't laugh at my jokes and I've learned to accept it as a preacher when sometimes my joke lands with an audience and when I make the same jokes with somebody else, sometimes they just stare at me like I've said absolutely nothing. I've learned to deal with things like this along the way of my life. See, my children have a way of critiquing me. I told y'all this morning about how my kids say that I'm eccentric and my wife says that I'm eccentric. My, my kids have a way of critiquing me. They say that I'm weird. And I guess that's true. I really can't deny it because I look at my life and I look at the way that I do things and I think to myself, I probably am just a little bit weird. I like to sing at the top of my lungs at home. I like to sing every song as if it were a Southern gospel song. And I think that's fun. I like to sing songs that sometimes embarrass my children. I like to listen to loud music. I, I, I like to roll the windows down and sing at the top of my lungs while listening to random music. And that often embarrasses my children. My kids don't even like it when I listen to talk radio with the windows down because they're afraid that's going to embarrass their kids in the line to pick them up at school. I've learned that my life is apparently just one embarrassing dad moment after the other. That's just the way that I've learned. I've learned apparently that the order of my life is to be the weird guy in the middle of the room that everybody stares at. But here's the good news. Your order is found in your orders. Where you fit in is found in what frustrates you. You become frustrated by the thing that you were meant to be a part of bringing change to. In other words, you belong doing what God has designated and designed for you to do. Put simply, your job is to do the job that God has given you. And you will often find what God has meant for you to do in your life by what is causing you frustration about the world that's around you. You were not made to just observe the struggle. You were made to be a part of bringing answer to the struggle. In other words, if there's frustrating things about the world that you and I live in that bother you to your core, it's a part of our responsibility as sons and daughters of God not to just point out the problem, but to point out the answer of the problem to the frustration that has become our problem. It is our problem if it frustrates us. And the struggle that we have as humanity and the struggle that we oftentimes have as the church is that we want to point out the problem to other people and demand that they fix it. If it frustrates you, it's become your problem. If the culture frustrates you, it's become your problem. If the lack of unity has frustrated you, it's become your problem. And a part of finding out what you were made for is by doing the job that he's given to you. So what is it? If it's to preach, then learn to preach it, preacher. If it's to teach, then teach. If it's business, then give all that you have to what you know is all that you can do. Unfortunately, some of us in the room have spent the last few weeks, months, years hearing from God one thing and doing the opposite. He's told you to go right and you've gone left. He's asked for all that you have and you've settled for some. He said more and your answer to him has been enough. Here's where we're going. You have all been set on mission, but the mission isn't fulfilled unless the purpose is realized, and yet your purpose cannot be realized without the embrace of a mission. 
without the embrace of a mission, we are just spinning our wheels, doing good things, but not living our life on purpose and not living our life for a purpose. This is what becomes the catch, I like to call, of our life. We cannot know our purpose without an embrace of God's mission. And we cannot help to fulfill that mission and that vision without being settled into our purpose. It's not enough just to know what your purpose is. You have to become settled into your purpose. So someone needs to hear this. Purpose and placement are tied to mission and vision. See, you were made to be filled. You were made to be complete in Jesus. You were born to be finished in his presence. How does all of this make sense? You are filled when your purpose is found in God's placement. You become complete when you are full of the mission of God. For some of us in the room, the emptiness that you feel or the loneliness, you feel like you're wandering like you haven't found who you are, you're still trying to discover your purpose in life, your journey, where you're headed, it comes back down to this. You have not yet obeyed your marching orders. You've not obeyed what the Lord has told you. Marching orders are to a better future. Marching orders are to find who you really are. Marching orders are for life. They are not for death. They are meant for us to hear the voice of God and to go to the place that God is leading us. So let's go back to our verse for just a moment. Historically, this passage of Scripture was meant for the people of Israel. God's people had not begun to fully live out their purpose due to their captivity. God brought the prophet Ezekiel into the valley, a representation of Israel that had become dry and lifeless. And God asks Ezekiel this question. He says, can these bones live? Ezekiel chapter 37, verse number 1, it says, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord, and he set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. I want you to take note of two things. Number one, I want you to take note of the fact that it says he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord. This is very crucial for our understanding, and here's why. He brought me out in the spirit of the Lord. The reference to the spirit of the Lord is a marker of the spiritual nature of the moment. God took him to a place. God brought him out. God's power sent him. The prophet was taken to the valley through God's anointing, not on his own ability. You and I are not called to live out our purpose through our own ability, although our ability assists in what God has called us to do. When you and I are called by God to live out our purpose through his anointing, it's his anointing coupled with the ability that he's given me that allows me to succeed in what God has put in front of me. That's the great joy of serving him. The great joy of serving him is that I don't have to do it by myself. I don't have to do it on my own. I don't have to try to figure out all the struggle, the trial, the tribulation, and the temptation all by myself. He allows me to walk under the authority and the anointing of the Holy Spirit who's already known my struggle from the very foundation of the world. And because he's already known my struggle, he gives me the opportunity to walk by his grace through my struggle to the other side, knowing that he's led me through this pain I led me through this situation so that I never have to go alone. The good news of serving Jesus is that you will never be called to go into your purpose alone in it. 
You will be called to go into your purpose through his strength and his anointing upon your life. So here's what I want you to take away from this moment. When my purpose is his, he takes me to places I could never go on my own. He shows me things I could not see with my own eyes. He puts me in situations I could not create with my own strength. He allows me to see and to do and to experience things that if it were not for his anointing, I would never do by myself. This is where and this is why your best place needs to be in his hand. Your home is in his hand. Your peace becomes where he positions you. And your grace is always in his goodness. The second thing I want you to take note of. It says he set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. Let me say this. You are made in the valley. You will be formed in the valley. You will be vindicated in the valley. You will be strengthened in the valley. You will find victory, the victory of God in the valley of dry bones. God took Ezekiel in the spirit and put him down in the middle of the valley of dry bones. Why? Because God was showing Ezekiel a scenario that should not exist. This valley should not exist. The moment... The valley of dry bones was not supposed to exist. It should not exist. Death should not exist. Pain should not exist. Hate should not exist. Racism should not exist. Exorbitant struggles should not exist. The valleys of your existence that have been filled with long pain should not exist. But if they do, and when they do, when you've seen pain that cannot be articulated, when you have felt hatred, when you've touched evil, when anger has become a way of life, when you find yourself standing in a valley of dry bones, wondering how you've got to this place, I want you to say something bold with me. This should not exist. I think one of the struggles that we look toward in the middle of the pain that we cannot understand is that we come to accept it at some point. We come to accept that this is my pain. We've come to accept that this is my sin. We've come to accept that I'll never escape this evil. We come to accept that I'll always wander in the middle of a valley of dry bones. But if you've been created in the image of God, and if you've been created to be his image bearer on the earth, then the pain that you exist in and the sin that you've walked in, it should not exist in a life that is fulfilled through the grace of Jesus. There's more for your life than just walking back and forth among a valley of dry bones and trying to figure out how you got here. You were made. You were meant for more than just seeing the pain and the death around you. When you find yourself in a valley of dry bones, you'll be tempted to do one of two things. And this is where we're going to go a little bit further and deeper tonight. The first thing that you'll be tempted to do is to deny it. This can't be standing in a valley of dry bones, when we deny it, we've ignored it. When we deny that sin exists, we inadvertently perpetuate it. It's our denial of sin that allows sin to define us. We do more than just defi- deny sin here. We, we ultimately deny ourselves, and we deny the plan of God. When we deny the mission and the purpose God has placed on us, we live in the very denial of who we were meant to be. When we deny that sin has the potential and the power to destroy us, we deny who we have been made to be in the image of Jesus. 
The second thing we tend to do is we deflect. The word deflect means to turn aside. In our denial, we pretend that the valley of dry bones doesn't exist. When we deflect, we ignore the ramifications of the valley. Deflection is the denial of my responsibility. Deflection is when we turn our ear to weeping. Deflection is when God says to go, and our response to him in that moment is no. When we don't understand, we tend to deflect. This is a volleyball that is going to try to catch with my foot, but I won't. Kendra, come help me out. I was never very good at sports. I'm still not good at sports. My kids are great at sports. My, my son, Jude, is a football player, basketball. Cruz, my son, is also a basketball player. Indy is probably bound to do something. Uh, Jude is already, we, we know he's got a big head, but he's also got a big head, if you know what I mean. He thinks he's the greatest athlete our family's ever seen. That's the reason I have to beat him in basketball every chance. I can't let him think that too long. Catch. What are we doing? What do you think her job is to do when I throw the ball to her? Catch it. So you ever, you ever played ball with somebody or catch with a child who at first doesn't know what they're supposed to do? They have no clue what to do in the moment because they've, they've never played the game before. They don't understand the game. See, we know my responsibility here in this moment is to actually catch the ball. But when, when, when Mackenzie throws the ball and I don't catch it, I deflect my role, my responsibility in the game. I deflect the responsibility that I have in the moment. My responsibility in playing the game of catch, the game of basketball, the game of football always has an end goal. There's always something required of me in the game, whether it's a game of sports, whether it's something I'm playing at home, whether I'm trying to mow the lawn, the job is to get the job done and to get the job done well. I'm trying to do something that has ultimately something that is required of me. See, when we deflect the ball, we ignore the role that we've been given in the game. And when we ignore the role that we've been given in the game, we choose to deny the opportunities that God has given us to be a part of seeing the game lived out in our lives and lived out to what he's got on purpose for us. When I choose to deflect, I choose to deny, I choose to not admit what God wants to do in me. If I'm going to live fully what God has destined me to do, God's job is to throw me the ball, my job is to catch the ball, and then and be ready to play the game in the way that God has intended me to play. Thank you. Take that with you. See, this is what I believe. I believe that God was showing Ezekiel the problem and asking him if he could see the potential. God was showing Ezekiel that there was a valley of dry bones and then asking him if he could see the potential standing in the middle of the valley of dry bones. God can't use people who don't understand the possibility. God only is able to use people who can do one of two things. People who can see the potential, people who can see the possibility, and then people who are available to be used for the potential and the possibility. God uses people who are available, but he also uses people who recognize that there is potential there. If I do not catch the ball, it's because I've chosen to deny the responsibility that God has given me in the game that he's called me to play, in the middle of the valley of dry bones where he's brought me to be. 
the third thing I'm looking at is that I notice that God says, can these bones live? And this is where I'm getting my head in this because it gets back to this podcast. This is where we've been headed. We've been put into valleys to see what can become of them. You're here on a Sunday night. And you're here on a Sunday night because I expect that you believe God has something more for you. So when we come to things like this, it's because we believe that something becomes of what God puts us in the midst of. See, behind every problem, there is potential. Behind our brokenness, there is a healer. And behind our sin, there's always a savior. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, oh Lord, you alone know. God didn't bring Ezekiel into the valley to see these bones, just to observe dead armies. He brought Ezekiel into the valley to see purpose live again, to see purpose be birthed again. There's some of us in the room tonight that you have allowed the purpose that God has put into you long ago to become dormant. You've allowed the purpose that God had instilled in you at one point, at one time in your life to become dormant because you have walked through the pain. You've walked through the valley. You've walked through situations that you could not explain. And now we look back on those moments and we feel like we're living in the middle of a valley of dry bones. But I believe in my heart that God wants to cause your purpose to begin to live again. And there are two purposes that live again in the valley. The armies. The army's purpose begins to live again. God said, can these bones live? Notice God said, can these bones live? And Ezekiel said, only you know. This army had died in battle long ago, never fully living out its purpose. There are no purpose to bones in death. Their only purpose is lived in life. Notice what God said. He said, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord. What is the word of God? The word of God became the breath in their lungs. It became the flesh on their bones. The word of God was the purpose of life given back to them. Some of us in this room need to hear the word of the Lord. And the word of the Lord for you again is to know that you have a purpose. It's to know that life was meant for you. That joy belongs to you. That peace can be attained. That you can experience the grace of God. That you don't have to live wandering back and forth trying to determine, can these bones live? Prophesy, he said to these bones. Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord is always life. And when the word of the Lord is spoken into your dry place, into your brokenness, into your pain, into your sin, it will always bring life. The word of the Lord never brings destruction. It brings life. Sometimes God judges. But God ultimately has come that we might have life scripture says more 
abundant. So your valley, it's always been filled with purpose. Your valley's always been filled with purpose. But some of you have been standing in the middle of a valley with dead armies. Armies that were meant for war, but living wounded. Armies that were meant to fight. You are the army of Jesus Christ meant to bring change, meant to bring revolution to the world that we live in, but we'll never be able to fully live out that purpose if we're trying to fight wounded. If we're trying to go to war broken, we'll only live out the purposes of God that He's instilled with us as long as we hear the word of the Lord. And the word of the Lord often is in that understanding of prophecy. Hear me. Prophesy. In other words, what God was saying to Ezekiel to say to the bones did not exist yet. It was not there yet. It had not happened yet. Sometimes you have got to declare to the dead things you will live again. You've got to declare to your marriage it will rise again. You've got to declare to your children you will serve, you will live, and you will not die. You will hear and know the word of God. You will experience the favor of God. We must, as the church of Jesus Christ, learn that the prophetic is not always that I just tell you what you are hearing from God already in your heart, but that I declare that life belongs to you. You Jesus name don't live this life wounded God's word brings life his word is love his word is life the nations can live this army can live but the word of God the word of God needs something the word of God needs a voice the second the second thing that lives and finds its purpose in the valley is the anointed do you know that to be anointed simply means to be chosen? Here is Ezekiel standing among bones in a dry valley. And God says, speak. Speak. But why? Why? If I speak, I might embarrass myself. I step out of my comfort zone. I might, I might show that I'm not fully educated. If I try to do something I've never done, I might fail. How am I supposed to live this out? How am I supposed to do this? I'm supposed to be the voice of God. I'm supposed to be the anointed of God. I don't have all the, the talent. I don't have everything that would be required of somebody who can do this. And God just says, speak. You'll never have to say anything that God won't already give you. That should comfort us in the room. The Holy Spirit has already gone before you to the places that He's asking you to go. He's already gone before you to the people He's asking you to go to. The Holy Spirit will never leave you at the edge of a cliff without the opportunity to jump with Him. Sometimes He will call you to jump. Sometimes He will ask you to jump. His promise is to be your voice when you don't have one. He will be your grace when you're standing in the grave. God said, prophesy, and you will live, and you will know that I am the Lord. Your purpose is always so that others will know that He is Lord. He is Lord. He is God. He is Master. He is Savior. And if I am standing in the grave and God gives me the grace, I will prophesy to these bones, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. 
So here's Ezekiel. But yet he's standing in the middle of a valley of dry bones and God says, speak. Ezekiel says, only you know God. So I'm, I've read so many verses about this. I've read so many commentaries. I've read so many theological, authoritative studies on this verse. And so many of them say that when Ezekiel was responding, he said, only you know. He was saying to God, you know if it's possible or not. Is it possible? God, you know. And I also believe that that's true. Put yourself as a human being in Ezekiel's shoes, standing in a place of desolation, a place of war, a place of death. And God says, Ezekiel, can these bones live? And Ezekiel said, I You've seen him to save, and he will always save. You will prophesy to these bones, not out of who you are, but out of who God has always shown himself to be. Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. You shall live, and you shall not die. From the four winds, the scripture says, calling the breath to enter these bones, and they came to life. Notice, an exceedingly great army. We've always, as the church of Jesus Christ, been ordained to be an army. We were not ordained to be a shoddy representation of the power of God. We, as the church of Jesus Christ, are called to be an exceedingly great army meant to go to war. Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, oh Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, oh dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones. In my mind, I picture God saying, you're going to speak to these bones. Why? Because I said so. Because I said so. Do you know that when God says so, that's when you're healed. When God says so, the broken are put back together. When God says so, marriages are restored. When God said so, bones are put back together. And armies live out their purpose because God said 
So sometimes all you need is a God who is big, who is strong, who is mighty. And when God says so, that's when we take the ground we were meant to take as the church of Jesus Christ. Because God said so. And this is missions. Because God is looking for people who will stand in valleys. Who will stand in brokenness. Who will stand in homes in Hector, Arkansas. Who will stand in homes in this county, in your state, in this country. And declare the word of the Lord. Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. I was looking over this message today because I knew I'd never preached it before. And I wanted to share it with you. And I'm going over it. And I almost looked at Pastor Shannon and said, it's kind of similar to this morning. So maybe I shouldn't do it. like God is saying something. It feels like God wants to do something. It feels like God has a plan. And when God has a plan, let no man stand. That rhymed. When God has a plan, there's no one you should stand in his way. This is what I believe. voice was dry. I am still tired from this. I, we saw hundreds of teenagers come to know Jesus. We saw 300 baptized in the Holy Spirit. We saw dozens of teenagers called to missions. And you know why I like teenagers? It's because I can yell at y'all. And it's okay, you still love me. But adults get offended. But sometimes I think y'all need to be pushed. I think adults need to be pushed a little bit. So I'm going to talk to you like I would talk to teenagers. There is a reason why we don't see the moves of God we ask Him for. It's because we stay in the places of comfort that we've always known. So let's get out of that for a little while tonight. These these prayer benches are cushioned. What do you call them? Okay. These altars are cushioned. You can leave one cushioned space and come to another cushioned space. walk 10 feet and that's amazing David Joe where are you at come on stand to your feet with me come on I want you to go ahead and stretch your hands to Jesus and I want you to begin to pray right where you are and say Lord help me to understand why I'm here not why I'm in church but help me to understand why you've put something in me where is my valley of dry bones what does it look like and how can you use me Where is my valley of dry bones? What does it look like? And how can you use me? Come on, I want you to begin to pray. I want you to pray with sincerity. I want you to pray with honesty, with integrity. I want you to begin to pray like you believe God is a mountain mover. I want you to begin to pray like you believe God can use you to see and do and experience great things. 
Father, we praise you. We bless you. In Jesus' name, we honor you right now. In Jesus' name, we give you all the praise, all the glory, all the honor. In Jesus' name. Come on, just a little bit more. Get your heart right with God before you come to this altar. Get your mind in the right place before you come to this altar. Get your spirit in the right attitude before you come. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. When I count to the number three, I want you to get out of your seat. I want you to come to this altar, and I want you to find a place where you can begin to pray and say, Jesus, I know that I need to live on purpose, but I need to know what my purpose is. Some of you already know why God made you. You feel it in your bones, but you're not living that out yet. And tonight's the night where you say to God, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Come on, when I count to three, I want you to be honest. I want you to be bold. I want you to get out of your seat. I want you to come find a place to pray. And I want you to begin to pursue the Lord Jesus with me tonight. One, two, three. Come on, step out of your seat. Be bold with me. Be bold with me. Be courageous with me. Be passionate with me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.